0: Thank you. All right. Good morning. Um, Welcome to Redemption Church. Um, My name is Dave. I'm the uh, the pastor here, and it's just great to see you all here. Very glad you're here with us this morning. Um, Just by way of introduction, so you you know, I have a stutter. So uh, there it is. It just kind of comes in and out, but I want to make sure that uh, you all know. uh, what it is on the front end and I um, was at the great game last night um, Thought it was it was it was fun great to be there yeah amen to that it's fun um, Our uh, neighbors to the north happened to win also but it's just setting us up for a fun game coming up in a few weeks But um anyway I digress I could go on and on with that but um again welcome We are uh, one church in multiple congregations throughout Arizona so um, just so you know Redemption Church is, um, as I said, one church with um, eight different congregations throughout Arizona. We, are, um, we have one, uh, one in Flagstaff and then six around the greater Phoenix area. And then we just planted here. And um, we'll announce actually next week, we'll have a slide and all that for but there's an- another one being um, launched out, being planted, which we're excited to announce next week. It's up in the Phoenix area. Um, as well, but anyway, just a lo- lot of fun, exciting things happen in there. Um, actually, on that note, I just want to give you all a, a heads up that in the coming weeks, as school kind of you know gets to gets out, as school starts to let out and people go go home for different breaks, and um, the mass of students that we have here um, are likely going to be going you know going home, going to other places, and I just want to let you know. Um, no offense, students, we love you, love that you're here, but I'm kind of excited about that, um, not because I want to see any students not here, but, um, just, it'll be, it'll be a good time for us to get a sense of just kind of who calls Tucson home, like who lives here, who, who gets their, you know, taxes, this is their address for it. Um, so, uh, who's old enough to pay their own taxes, um. (laughs) So with that, um, also, just I would encourage you in those weeks, if you come in and it seems sparse, move toward the front. Um, I may even just come on down there. So I don't know what to expect, but just so you know, I'm excited. We'll actually get to do some things to even further develop and grow um, and, and as a community, kind of in a smaller, a smaller context. But anyway, st- Students, we love you, want this to be your church, love that you're here, but um, we also want to prepare our own hearts for when you leave and come and leave and come. So um, with that, I have a couple of uh, quick ann- announcements. Stephen kind of mentioned it there, but um, if you're new, we have a Connect Desk out there. We want to um, ask you to fill that out. If, you're, if uh, this is your first time here, um, we just want to ask you to go ahead and um, put down you know, your name, your, your, your contact information, any questions that you might have. We want to know how to come alongside you, and um, we're a new church, and we say we're a church um, of the city, not a church to this city, not a church in the city, but a church of Tucson, and we exist for Jesus' glory and the good of Tucson, and so a significant part of that is we want to hear from the people of Tucson. So anyway, please um, fill that out. And last announcement, I think we have a slide for it. Um, something cool with being a part of Redemption Church at large is we, as Redemption Church, are um, hosting a concert um, next Friday, November fourteenth. And so um, there are there's information there online. If you just go to our church's website, Tucson.RedemptionAZ.com, you'll find all the information there. And um, it's it is a concert. It's not necessarily like a, a worship time um it is but it isn't so i could explain that but anyway it's a concert just so you know what to expect there so um that's really the only announcement like that i have and so if you don't have a bible go ahead and hold your hand up um and hold it up high please don't uh, do the auctioneer thing hold it up high so they can see you and be be sure everyone has one if you don't own one keep this one um please. We want to make sure everybody has a Bible. So um, there you go. Keep your hands up high. If you don't have one, keep this one, put your name in it, underline stuff, um, put question marks in there. And um, if you do on one and you just forgot it, shame on you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Well, that actually fits into our sermon today, but it'll be, uh, you can just leave that on the back. Um, so let me just recap a bit of where we've been before we dive into this. Um, we're in our third sermon series as a church, and we've done a few kind of short four-week sermon series until we get going in Advent, in the beginning of December. And we looked at the story of God, the true story of the universe, that we make sense of all of life through the lens of Jesus. Jesus. And then we looked at the book of Ruth, and we considered God's providence in every facet of life, in work, in romance, in in, in all things, in redemption, God's providence over all things. And now we're in a sermon series, the four G's, where we're looking at the character of God and how we are shaped um, by the character of God. And and we need to be doing the work here of, 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 of helping ourselves learn to be shaped by God and His character. Because it has been said by um, someone that God created man in His image, and we've been um, returning the favor ever since. That we, um, we use a lot of terminology like, my God would never do this, or my God does this, or my God this, and fill in the blank, X, Y, or Z, you know, my God, and we create God in our image. And so what we need to do is we need to kind of put that on the shelf, and submit ourselves to God's Word, to who He declares Himself to be, and then to see our lives and our character and our identity and our purpose shaped by who He is. In fact, um, just to kind of s- start us out, I want to read a quote um, from an incredibly wise um, man, J.I. cracker he, um, he says this, um, because uh, we need to learn to look at God and to look at the character of God and be shaped by Him, he, he s- s- says this, Knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives, as it would be cruel to an Amazonian tribesman to fly him to London, put him down without explanation in Trafalgar Square, and leave him, as one who knew nothing of English or England, to fend for himself So we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place, and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life, blindfold, as it were with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste your life and lose your soul. We stumble and blunder and trip our way through life when we attempt to um, do life in our own capacity. And when, we, when we forget that God created us in His image, that He said, I will be your God and you will be my people and you live your life in response to who I am, because of sin, what the Bible calls sin, because we have chosen to turn our backs on God, said we want to do things our way. We want to figure out life according to what makes sense to us, rather than in light of your character, we stumble and blunder through life. So again, we're going um, to spend some time looking at the character of God. in, in, the, in the, the, the four G's, this this series that we're in, it, um, is is, is, is Taken from Psalm chapter one forty five, which we just read. And and, and 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 we see in that four um words that start with G. That uh that, that is that is God is great. And then today we see God is glorious, then we see God is good, and God is gracious. And so um um with that, if you will just look with me really quickly to see the glory of God talked about in Psalm 145, verses four through six. We're gonna launch out of this and we're gonna kind of hunker down in John chapter 1, which I'll explain why. But, but, but first, let me just um, look again at Psalm 145, verses 4 through 6. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness the wondrous works of God, the glorious splendor of God. I will meditate on these things. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to John chapter 1 where we see the glory of God clearly presented in God the Son, Jesus, who we live all of life for, all of life submitted to, where life doesn't make sense separated from Him. So if you will go ahead and turn to John chapter one, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. Um, and with that i I don't really need to do this um, before I pray um, uh, but i want to I want to recognize the the people up here who run um, PowerPoint and just give them a little a little bit of props and thanks. you don't know this, but I just threw them for a loop. I just um, read that quote, which was supposed to be like. 15 minutes from now and five slides away and they just seamlessly went and found it and covered it for me so um typically people who do powerpoint don't get noticed until they do something wrong but um they just they do something very right all the time so wait, let's just give them a round of applause can we do that um so yeah thank you sorry Corey, to put you on the spot but uh yeah so anyway thank you for that and all that you guys do so will you pray uh with me and um Pray that I don't give them a hard time anymore, and, uh, and and most importantly, pray that God prepares our hearts as we turn to John chapter one and, and, and look at all of life through the glory of God revealed in Jesus. Okay, let's 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 pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for everyone who's here. Um, it's fun to to gather to gather to kind of celebrate Arizona win last night, and um, or to consider Tucson where we live and. Um, and, and, and Lord, we recognize, though, I, I pray that by your help, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will, we will settle in right now and recognize that we are so often defined by what your word calls the fear of men, that, that we, we form our identity and our purpose, and um, we live our lives wondering what others think about us. Or But your good news, the gospel, declares God is glorious. So we don't have to fear others. And, and I pray that you will shape us through that as we look at your word and we look to Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, pick up with me in John chapter one. Um, it's I think uh, page 576 in the, in the Bibles that we handed out there. And it'll also be up here on the screen. So with that, just um, pick up with me. John chapter one, verse one. This is um, preparing the way. This is declaring the glory of God revealed in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The, The language here in the Greek is clearly setting us up for the presentation, the revelation that all of life makes sense through God revealed in His Son, Jesus. If um, you remember our first sermon series, we looked at Colossians chapter 1 and we launched out of there where it clearly um, declares that, that all things were created through him and for him. That Jesus is the author of the true story of the universe and he's the hero of the true story of the universe. That all things were created through him and for him. He is the light of God breaking into the darkness. Um, And and as we just read earlier, that quote that reminds us, we have such a propensity, though, to to forget that, to to, to, um, turn away, to look away, to define ourselves by every other thing. And so so this chapter here, this um, this 18 verses presents Jesus in such a way that we need to be reminded of who he is and what he's done and, um, and, and then, and then it, there's also this other character, um, John the Baptist, who, who will get introduced to. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on him. But um, pick up with me in verse 6 because we can learn some things from him. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. Verse 9, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So this guy John, John the Baptist, you, you may have um, um, heard of him, he, he had a fo- following. A bunch of people started to come, started to you know fo- follow him, and he quickly um, explains, No, 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 don't look to me. I'm not the center of attention. My whole purpose here in life is not to gather a crowd. It's not to get your respect. It's not to make you think something of me. There's someone else coming after me. Um, his whole life was, was given toward directing people's eyes toward Jesus. And John, also, if you know elsewhere in other accounts, that explains who he was. Um, he didn't care what people thought of, about him a whole lot. He, he, he lived his life pointing toward Jesus and the glory of God revealed in Jesus. And he wore clothes, it says he wore clothes that were made out of camel hair, and he ate insects and honey, um, and he ate bugs, and he, every picture you see of this guy, his hair's disheveled, he's all over the place, and so he, 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 he doesn't care what other people think, perhaps to, to a fault in, in his case, but he, um, but, but the whole point of him, the whole point of John, everywhere it's revealed in scripture, is to show that he is revealing and pointing people to Jesus. He's setting the stage, But right there in verse 10, we see and we're reminded that even like you and me, um, it's not the norm. Okay, That, that, That most of us do care what other people think. And as I said, because of sin, our propensity is to turn away from God. Our propensity is to not live all of life all for Jesus but instead is to get consumed in our happenings and what others think of us and what we think of ourselves and what we're doing. And so um, look with me in verse 10 as we can continue. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And then in verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So Jesus The very beginning, the word of God, the one through whom and for whom all things are made. John the Baptist uh, lives his entire life pointing toward Jesus, but he's a rarity. He's not perfect, by the way, but he's a rarity. He rightly understands, okay, it is all about Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus is God revealed to the world. The word of God from the very beginning, the eternal one. But then the next verse reveals the norm. Most people, though, his own people, who should have been anticipating the coming of Jesus, didn't even receive him. They weren't weren't looking to him. Like you and me, their lives were defined by everything other than the character of God. The, the, The glory of God was kind of put on the shelf, was easily forgotten about. And this shows up in how we live our lives, consume with ourselves. So what I want to do right here is um, hunker down for a bit in um, what the Bible calls the fear of man. Um, um, in, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, there's a short, a short verse that says this. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe and let me just say something okay look at me last week i had you look at your neighbor and say um i'm a control freak and we all are in some degree and we know that but what we need to recognize right now is we all struggle with the fear of man we have other words for other terms insecurity um looking to boost my self-esteem um, some of us don 't even don 't even want to admit it right we don 't want to admit that we care what other people think. There is hair product that you can buy for like fifty dollars i 'm sure it 's even more nowadays like fifty dollars a hundred dollars you can buy hair product. To make it look like you don't care what other people think about you, right? Like you buy this expensive goo and it's made from here and you get your hair all, you know, crazy. So it looks like you just rolled out of bed and you don't care what anyone else thinks about you. Um, but you do because you just spent a hundred dollars on something to make it look like you didn't care. and You know, just around the circus goes in our life of acting like we. So what we need to do is just settle in. Okay. And let's just spend some time, this is a safe place, considering what does the fear of man look like in my life? How does my obsession with what other people think about me show up in my life? How is my life defined by what other people think by my fear of other people rather than the character of god rather than the glory of god revealed in jesus so we're gonna um do a little diagnostic diagnostic process you know if you know like a doctor you go to the doctor this hurts and ask a bunch of questions let's just evaluate a couple things you might be thinking right now man i wish so-and-so was here to hear this you know i wish all these other people they really struggle with what other i sure wish they were here um Well, let's consider why is it good that we're here? Okay, so walking through, the first thing that reveals the fear of man in our lives is insecurity. Now, let me just kind of give a a little sucker punch at the beginning to think of, um, a lot of us are insecure through the things we're really good at. Things we do well, things that we get attaboys for. Hey, good job. You're great at that. Good job at this. this. And we, we build our identities around it. We, um, like, I'm not going to go, I don't worry, I don't have anyone in mind here, but look at your, like, Instagram hashtag or, you know, th- or Instagram title or whatever it's called. Or what, you know, what you, the way you present your identity, how much is it shaped by um, something that you're good at, by something that your identity is really wrapped up in? Um... Often the things we're good at, we think, if this were taken away from me, I would be nothing. What would I be left with if this was gone? What, whatever it could be, our, our art, our, our musicianship, my role as a pastor. Um, I, this is ridiculous. Some of you may have heard me share this. I didn't even plan on saying this. but um, A number of years ago, some other pastor friends asked me if I've ever prayed that God would take away stuttering. And and I have, but I just thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. Let's do it. We 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 fasted and prayed for a number of weeks, and they all gathered around me. We prayed, God, if you would would want to take stuttering away from me, um, would you do that? And we prayed, and and um, you know what He revealed during that time? How much of my identity is wrapped up in stuttering? Like how stupid is that? That I'm like. But then what will make me special as a preacher, as someone who shares, God, don't take stuttering away from me, but do, please, but don't, because um, I need it and I like it. And again, the circus that we go in when we're focusing on ourselves, insecurity um, in, our, in, our, in our bragging, in the way we you know, brag about ourselves, the things we share reveal our insecurity and the things we don't have and we focus on. We spend so much time trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? What, when we put our clothes on, we consider what is someone else wearing, the person we are trying to keep up with, and our homes and our cars, and we spend so much time trying to keep up with the Joneses that we don't recognize that they don't exist, that the Joneses are insecure as well, that the Joneses have fear of man as well. Perhaps... Um, Gossip reveals a fear of man. And this is not just a, a, a women's thing. Often that gets happened. Women, listen up. You gossip. Guys do it too. Right? We do it too. We, we, we just mask it a little bit differently. We, we talk trash about someone else. Man, did you see that guy? That was, man, he looked like a fool. That was crazy. That's gossip. We're gossiping. It just looks a little bit different. But um, what we're really saying when we're gossiping about other people is, man, I'm sure glad uh, I'm not as bad as I could be. Man, I'm sure glad that I didn't get found out for that. Um, what we're saying is someone else uh, looks or acts or says or does the same thing, but I'm able to hide mine a little bit better. Maybe that's the n- next thing, insecurity, gossip. Maybe um, hiding. A lot of us just live our, le- our lives in hiding, wondering, man, am I going to get found out? Are people going to discover me as an imposter, as a fake? So much of my identity is built on whatever it is. What if someone sees me in the wrong moment and I'm found out? Our hiding, the things we cover up, the things we want no one else to know, reveals our lives being shaped by what other people think. Um, Another one is exaggerated lifestyles. Um... This could happen in church. I just want to kind of have some in-house talk here. If you're not a Christian, if you don't usually go to church and you're here today, first of all, really, really glad you're here. And um, something we say is we take God seriously, but not ourselves. And we need to fight at that. We need to work hard to admit our blunders. And um, a lot of times the, the um, the way we kind of put on a mask or a face is in church. Hey, you know, how are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Everything's so good. Everything in life is, is good. And we use this overly spiritualized language and we don't have too much of like a church clothes culture here. Um, Perhaps, you know, somewhat, it might just look different, but um, you know, that can just like putting on our church clothes, putting on our church face, putting on our church language, our church attitude to look like. So we want everyone at church to think we live a certain way, right? I don't want someone to see me You know, um, disciplining my child out of frustration because that's not the the church representation I want to have. Right? We live these exaggerated lifestyles because we're defined by the fear of others. Um, I think one other way this shows up in a lot of times is through our children. Hey, if you're young parents, I know there's actually one couple here who we're, we're going to have up and um, pray for in a c- couple weeks, but they have a newborn child. And I know there are a lot of young families, and I love that. And as someone who has kids that are a little bit older, um, I want to normalize how hard parenting is. Right? I see some heads, some amen. We can say amen in here. Um, it's, it's hard. And so often we discourage one another by trying to elevate our own lives. When my um, wife and I first moved to a new town in in Northern California just after we had our kids and we had um, triplets, some of you might not know that, we have seven-year-old triplets now and they were newborn and so we stood out, right? Like we had a giant stroller and we're walking along and people would come up to us and in this town in particular, it was really white collar, highly academic and I mean, parents would like subtly um, just ruin you. It'd be like, oh, did, have your kids gotten into this exclusive preschool yet? We're like, they're three months old. They, have, they exclusively poop a lot. Um, it, but seriously, it, it seriously felt like, have you taught them Latin yet? No, we have, oh, okay. Okay, no, that's fine. You know, Everyone does whatever they want to do. That's cool, whatever. And just, again, it's this world we live in. Looking at one another, looking at ourselves, defined by what other people think about us. Um, I, I, I just have to hit on it because it's so r- r- real in our day-to-day. Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Um, do, I mean, we rarely take a picture of, like, a mediocre meal. Or, you know, our, our like, yeah, I just made my kids macaroni and cheese and hot dogs again out of a box. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag awesome parent. Um, You know, we don't do that. And, um, you know, we just, we don't. And with that, I do want to acknowledge that's okay. I think it's okay that we put filters on our pictures, that we present, like, I love taking, I love Tucson, there's someone else in here who loves taking really good pictures of Tucson, we all know there are intersections of Tucson that we choose not to take, (laughs) because our friends in Phoenix will, you know, comment on those, but, um, and that's okay, (laughs) but honestly, let's kind of, let's just, let's be real together, what's driving that? If we can all recognize, we do Instagram, we you know, it's okay, we're having fun with it. But if that's, if that's telling of our entire lives, if our entire lives are defined by this fear of being found out, by this fear of, of losing something that we're so wrapped up in, that, that, then we need to be real and recognize our lives are not defined by the gospel, by who Jesus is. By who he declares you and me to be. We're not saying it overtly. But hear me, when we live our lives this way, what we're saying is, God, you're really not most important. Who you are and what you say about me isn't foundational. That doesn't define me the most. What, how people respond to me at church. How many likes I get. How many people think I'm a better parent than them? Whatever it might be, that's most important. That defines me. Pick up with me in verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, to all who see Jesus rightly, who recognize Him, who confess the sin of turning our backs on Him, who say, I need you, you are God and I am not. To all who see Him rightly, to all who receive them, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus, in all His glory, the one through whom and for whom all things are made, took on all this list that we just talked about. The exposure that we so desperately um, Hope to keep covered up. He endured. He hung himself naked on a cross. Exposed to the world. Bearing the shame. Every shame that you and I feel. He took on himself. And brought before almighty, glorious, holy God. He took it on himself. So that you and I might not be defined by our shame. Might not be defined by what others say about us. But might be defined by who he is, by what he has done, by the death that he endured for you and me to put death to death so that we might be called children of God. We see later here, God, um, when Jesus is baptized, the heavens open and, and the heavenly father declares, behold, that word is used here, behold, means see rightly, behold the son of God in whom I am well pleased. Well, to those who see Jesus rightly, to those who put their faith and their trust in Him, He's given that same right to be called children of God. And who is this Jesus in verse 14? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace. It, it means that our shame, the things that we're trying to hide, by grace, by undeserved favor, he takes that on himself. But he's also full of truth, right? He doesn't just hear me. This isn't a sense of Jesus just being like, well, say la vie, you know, we all screw up. Nobody's perfect, right? That's the extreme we tend to go to. Right, we go that that far, and we say, "Oh, no, um, no one is, no one's perfect. Everybody's messed up," and we continue to live defined by our vertical relationships, by our understanding of ourselves through what other people say about us. The gospel, the good news, is not that someone else says, "Hey, no one's perfect," and so you say, "You're right, I'm not perfect." No, the gospel says, um, God created you perfectly, and you have sinned horrendously against God. That is truth. Jesus, full of truth and full of grace. God says, you have sinned, you're not perfect, no one else is perfect, and that is a terrible, treasonous act against God. But by his grace, his undeserved favor, he puts that shame, that sin, on the shoulders of his son, and he puts it to death on the cross. So, what's the answer to this? How do we live life now? End of sermon. Go and stop being so insecure. Okay, good luck with that. Let's pray. Um, no. What did we see? Let's go back, and it'll be up here in um, Psalm 145. After declaring the glorious works of God, what, is, what does the psalmist David say? He says, Meditate. On these things. It says the glorious splendor of your majesty. On your wondrous works I will meditate. What is meditating? Isn't that an eastern thing? Isn't that um, something? We don't do that, right? Well, yeah. There is a type of meditation that what it means is emptying yourself of everything. Of just being completely without thought. um, Without feeling. Without anything. Just emptying yourself. But this term, meditation, think more of um, of stewing or steeping. If you drink tea, and, and the tea is put in the hot water, it's 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 in there. It's 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 becoming. Um, it, it, it's it's uh, what is it? yeah, steeping. It's it's pouring out its essence, and it and then it eventually defines the water becomes tea. In this same way. We meditate on the word of God, on the character of God, on the glory of God. Right? That that same author, um, J.I. Packer, in this incredible book, it's very heady, but it's the, the knowledge, or it's called Knowing God. And he says this, he explains meditation this way. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. It is an activity of holy thought, consciously performed in the presence of God, under the eye of God, by the help of God, as a means of communion with God. It means we live our lives constantly in light of the character of God, the glory of God. And, 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 and let me say, this is why we need, A, to constantly bring ourselves before God's Word. Okay, quiet times can become another way of shaming ourselves. We just pile a weight on ourselves and we say, oh, I should have a quiet time. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. No, what it is, it, it is constantly bringing ourselves, right, consciously being reminded, God, by your power, will you shape me by your character? centered on the person and work of Jesus. Will you constantly remind me? Will you remind me this day that I'm not defined by what other people say? I'm not defined by my obsession with what others think about me. I'm declared by the fact that I am your child. And that that gives power and hope and confidence. And then the last few verses that we see here in in John chapter 1 just just goes on and reminds us of what this looks like. Um, in verse uh, 15, John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his, his, his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. He's like, guys, uh, stop looking at me. I'm not that special. First of all, I'm dressed in camel's hair. I eat bugs. Right? He had a huge following, but he's still like... It's not about me. Look to Jesus, the glory of God in flesh. Con carne. Right? Jesus, God the Son. Look to Him. Life is defined by God's glory, and we see it in Jesus. And then he says, um, we, we've, re- we've received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Some of us say, man, if only I could see God in all His glory, life would be different. We think about the, um, the apostles, who, uh, apostles who followed Jesus, and, um, and, and, and we think, oh, they had it so easy. Hear me. We get to see the glory of God in its fullness. We get to see Jesus risen from the dead. We get to understand the grace of God that defines all of life. So, um, what's the solution? What's the answer? Stop being so full of shame. Stop, stop comparing yourself with your neighbor. Well, yes, but how? Look to Jesus. As a community, what does it look like for us to be shaped by reminding one another of the glory of God. By not tearing one another down. By, it's not going to happen on one Sunday. Okay, We're not going to say, hey, your outfit looks ridiculous today, just so you know. But that's okay, right? You're a church. It isn't about that. No. What does it look like time in and time out, week in and week out, shaping a culture where we grow, are grounded, where roots are slowly deepened in our community, in our city, in our hearts, where we're defined by the glory of God, rather than, than tearing one another up. As we close, I want to I want to recognize that this fear of man it comes from the fact that we all have a deep rooted desire to be unconditionally loved, unconditionally. But think about this: where are we going to get that? Your accomplishments will not give you that. Your roles as a parent, as a child, as a husband, as a wife, will not give you that. Your beauty will not give you that. Your successes will not give you unconditional love. The praises of others will not give you unconditional love. Even as I say these things, you're likely feeling the weight that that piles on. Right? If I get... Uh, hey, that was an incredible sermon. Knocked it out of the park. What, that's not on you, but in my heart, what can I turn that into next week? Man, I hope this one. I gotta, I gotta meet up to that. Right? Whatever it is, when we're defined by what others think of that, we will not get unconditional love. Your job won't give you it. Your identity won't give you it. Your art won't give you it. Your success, your finances will not give you that. But Jesus, the Word of God become flesh, the one through whom and for whom all things are made. It is said of him in Hebrews chapter 13, "He will never leave you nor forsake you." The unconditional love that we so long for is given to us in Jesus. What would it look like for you to live real life as an employer, an employee, a husband, a wife, a single person? a person who just lost their job, a person who's struggling with identity in every way. What does it look like to be defined by the glory of God in Jesus and by the fact that He says, You are my child in whom I am well pleased. This is what it means to live all of life all for Jesus. This is what it means to have all of life defined by the character and the glory of God. This is what it means when we say God is glorious so you don't have to fear other people. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are glorious. Thank you that your answer to our problems, to our struggles, to our insecurity is not just dismissed by saying it doesn't matter. Lord, thank you that your answer to our insecurity, to our fear of man, to our fear of failure is answered by your glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you have met our need, not by just saying, ah, whatever, get over it, but by taking it upon yourself on the cross so that shame can be put to death, so that death can be put to death. Lord, I pray for anyone in here. Um, for everyone in here. Because we struggle. I, I know that tomorrow. Monday. will bring comparison with others. We'll expose our, our frustrations. And our hurts. And our pains. But God I pray that you would teach us. To meditate on your word. Lord I pray that we would be a community. Who constantly reminds one another. Of the gospel. Of the glory that you have. So that we can be defined by our role as your people, together and individually. Lord, I pray that right now, as we spend time um, responding to you, Lord, I pray that people who need to be prayed for would go and would be prayed for. Lord, I pray that we would constantly um, love one another enough or to not just stay in our seats, to not stay in our own individual worlds, but to corporately, communally respond And live our lives in light of you and your character and your glory. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.